Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Growing up, I did not go to church or follow any particular faith. I didn't even know why we celebrated Easter or Christmas, but I was glad to have a week off from school. You could probably say I followed the ways of Dennis the Menace. I still can recall the exasperated look on my mother's face when I behaved in my mischievous ways. While a teenager, I had lost someone close to me. I thought if I was good and gave up a million dollars, surely my loved one would return to me. To a 13-year-old, a million dollars is a lot of money. When 9-11 happened, I started searching. Shortly thereafter, I found my way to an alpha course here at Trinity. Not knowing anyone and looking lost, I was invited to sit with a group of people who all joyfully shared how they were able to visit with a loved one and a parent before they passed away. Some even traveling halfway around the world. Sitting silently, I thought, that's a whole lot of butterscotch. Okay, I was thinking of a lot more colorful word than that. I thought, how can someone be so happy that someone close to them had died? But considering how I found my way to Trinity, I knew I, considering how I found my way to Trinity, I knew I had to finish the Alpha course. I finished the Alpha course, and then Jesus found me. It is through Alpha I have found a safe haven to ask questions, challenging ones and silly ones. A place to share my thoughts and comments where it was respectfully received. I learned to read the Bible. I witnessed healing and lives transformed. I found a place to serve and then I'm prepared and I'm prepared to facilitate small groups. I'm emboldened to pray corporately. I made lifetime friends. I encountered the Holy Spirit. It is through Alpha I came to faith and accepted Jesus Christ. Because of Alpha, I have traveled to Rwanda and helped train pastors to host the Alpha course. I met Nikki Gumbo in person. And maybe one day I'll run wild with Bear Grylls. Let's see what God will do. Today I know God heard my prayers, even when I didn't know I was praying. For I have come to appreciate and cherish the 13 wonderful years I had with my mother and don't need a million dollars before I will see her again. I fall short every day of the good standard I set for myself when I was 13. Yet I know Jesus still loves me. So come join me after service in Alpha and make a new friend or two. Meet Jesus for the first time or meet him in a whole new way. My name is Nate Chin and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Our reading today is from the book of John, chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climb in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep knows me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen 
to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The word of the Lord. Thank you, May. So last week we started a, a um, experiment where we did these these you know small group conversations, uh, and the feedback that I got was really positive. And so we're going to do it again. And so I know some of you are going, this makes me a little uncomfortable. Well, here I have one word for you. Tough. Just do it. I mean, it's, you know, wrestle with the stuff. Okay, so here's what I'd like you to do. Um, turn to two, maybe three other people who are seated near you and just quickly introduce yourself. No groups, no larger than four. Two or three people. Okay. Here's the question. And you each have 20 seconds to answer this. It's not a deep question. When you get a phone call and caller ID comes up with a number that you do not recognize, do you answer the call or not? Why or why not? You got 20 seconds. Okay, time. By a show of hands, how many of you do answer the call? My goodness. I don't. (laughs) It looks about 50-50 split. Um, I don't answer the call. I mean, I figure it's either a telemarketer... um, at which point I don't want to talk to him anyway. Or if it is somebody that I don't recognize, they'll leave a voicemail and I'll call them back, right? I mean, it's good stewardship of my time. Uh, now, what? Okay. So here's where I'm going with this. Whenever you receive a call that necessitates that there be a caller. Somebody has to originate that call. Now, maybe it's someone you know. Maybe it's someone you don't know. Maybe it's a telemarketer. Maybe it's a butt call. I mean, you know, we've all made those and gotten those, right? But the bottom line is somebody initiates the call. In order for you to receive it, Somebody has to initiate it. We're in the, the, we just started this series called Mission Possible. And last week we, we looked at the, just the broad strokes, the overview of, of where we're going in the series. And bottom line is it's about discipleship. It's about being a follower of Jesus. And, and when we, become a a, a follower of Jesus, when we're truly a follower of Jesus, we want to make other followers of Jesus, other disciples. You say, why do we want to do that? Well, because when you read through the scriptures and you really experience Jesus for who he is, you come to realize that, that the fullest life possible can only be found in him. And as we talked about last week, we want to you know, we want the 100%. We want the fullest life possible, right? Well, if we want that, then, then we have to follow Jesus. And if we really love other people, then we want them 
to experience the fullness of life. And so we want them to follow Jesus as well. Does that make sense? Now, let me just say right up front, um, this is going to be one of those are you with me sermons. Which means that periodically I'm going to ask the question, are you with me? At which point your answer will be yes. Even if you're not, just say yes. Humor me. Uh, so I can feel like I'm doing a good job whether I'm not, whether I am or not. Okay, so we're going to look at this idea of calling. Jesus calling us. There's an author that some of you are probably familiar with, John Eldridge. And in his book, Waking the Dead, he wrote this. 20 clear days a year. That sounds about like my life. I think I see what's really going on about that often. The rest of the time, it feels like a fog, like the bathroom mirror after a hot shower. Why have things gone the way they have? Where was God in all that? Oh, I'd love to wake each morning knowing exactly who I am and where God is taking me. Zeroed in on all my relationships. Undaunted in my calling. It's awesome when I do see. Does that sound about right to you? 20 clear days? I think a lot of us live life in a bit of a fog when it comes to um, living life undaunted in our calling. I think a lot of us struggle with living in the promise that Jesus made in John 10, 10, that he came to give all of his followers this, this abundant life, this life to the full. A lot of us kind of have relegated that, that abundant life to heaven, right? I mean, it's hard here. We're going to have, it's just going to have to, we're going to have to gut it up while we're here. But eventually when we get to heaven, it'll be good. Well, listen to these words of Jesus in Luke chapter 18. I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. See, Jesus doesn't locate this offer of of abundant life, you know, to some distant place after we've slogged our way through our days here. Jesus says, no, you you can experience this abundant life in this life, in this age. How many of you want to know that your life matters. You want to know that what you do matters, right? I mean, all of us want to, want to believe that God has created us for more than someday singing in the heavenly choir. We want to know that we were created for more than making a widget or, or punching a clock or closing a deal. We want to know that that God has something for us of significance. 
Sometimes we read through the scriptures and we see how God, you know, called the apostles to great things or he called the prophets to great things. And we think, man, I wish God would just call me to something great like that. Well, you know what? He has. God has called you to a purpose that is bigger than yourself. He's called us all, as Peter said, out of darkness, out of fogginess, into his wonderful light that we might declare his praise, that we might accomplish his purpose in our life. As Rick Warren so appropriately begins the purpose-driven life, it's not about you. See, if you're just living your life for you, it's not bigger than you. But when you live your life for somebody else, when it's not about you, you are living a life of purpose. I love the epitaph the book of Acts gives for King David. It simply reads, when David had served God's purpose in his generation, he fell asleep. Which means he died. I love that. That's how I want to go out. You know, serve God's purpose in my generation. Boom, I'm out of here. Well, like King David, we have all been called by God to serve his purpose in our generation. The question for us then is not, is God calling? The question is, will I pick up? Will I respond to his call? Listen to what Paul wrote to the Romans. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, calling is unquestionably linked with purpose. We are who we are with all of our gifts and passions and experiences, not because of some random set of circumstances, but because the one who has created us has called us to himself, and he has a purpose for us that he wants us to serve in our generation. And because we are called according to his purpose, do you think it's important that we might understand what that calling is? Are you with me? (laughs) Some of you are just glazing over the head. Um, Have you ever gotten a call on caller ID where you know who it is and and the first thought that runs through your mind is, what do they want? Anybody ever? Yeah. Okay, I'm not the only one who thinks that. Sometimes I go, oh man, what does he want? Right? Now, if I picked up and and the first words out of my mouth were, what do you want? That'd be pretty rude, wouldn't it? It would be disrespectful and dishonoring of the relationship. But friends, that's what we do with God. God calls and our first, the first thing out of our mouth is, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you have for me? Friends, that disrespect that disrespects and dishonors the relationship that he's calling us to. You see, the first thing that God is calling us to is himself. 
If you don't hear anything else about discipleship, what you need to understand is, first and foremost, the call of God on your life is to relationship. It's to relationship with Him. And it is out of that relationship that everything else happens. Os Guinness, in his book, The Call, which I highly recommend, he says, first and foremost, we are called to someone to God, not to something such as motherhood or politics or teaching or somewhere such as the inner city or outer Mongolia. See, it is God who calls us and primarily he calls us to himself. You see it in the Old Testament where um, call language is used for God calling people to himself and calling people to service. You see it in the New Testament in, in, in words like kaleo and klesis. Where, where God is, is calling people to himself in discipleship. And, and as a group, as the church, we are, the, the, the word is ek kaleo, ekklesia. We are the called out ones. And in order to be a called out one, it, you, are, you are a follower of Jesus. You, you are in relationship with him. If you read through the early chapters of the Gospels, you'll find that this call issued by Jesus was concise and commanding. What was his call? Follow me. Follow me. That's what he said to, to Andrew and um, uh, uh, the other guys. Simon, James and John, Matthew, um, he just said, follow me. He said, come, be in relationship with me. And here's what you need to understand. Jesus didn't say, hey, you need to clean up your act. And then you can come follow me. He didn't even say, hey, you need to believe in me to follow me. Jesus just said, follow me. You see, there, there are no disqualifiers to being a disciple of Jesus. Everyone who gets asked to be a disciple of Jesus is first a sinner and second an unbeliever. Right? That's where we all started. We were all sinners, are still sinners, and we were all unbelievers. So this call of God on our lives is to all of us. No matter where you are in your journey, whether you're just beginning or haven't begun or are somewhere along the way, the call of God is be in relationship with me, first and foremost. And what's remarkable about this is these guys did. They just left everything and followed him. When we respond to the call of God in our lives, respond to the who of calling, not just what. What do you want? But, no, who is this? Who am I responding to? When we respond to Him, that's when we begin to discover our purpose. 
That's when life gets exciting. When we respond to Jesus' call to follow, that's when we find life more purposeful and thus more deeply satisfying and fulfilling. A true disciple lives every day knowing that what matters most is his or her relationship with God. And then everything else falls into its proper place. You see, when you live to know God, then you will know how God wants you to live. When you live to know God, then you will know how God wants you to live. The fogginess dissipates. Primarily, we have been called to God, by God, for God. It's about relationship. Are you with me? Okay, but now what about the what of calling? What is it, I understand the who, I understand I'm to be in relationship, but, but then what is it that God wants me to do? Here's how I define calling. Calling is God's personal invitation for me to work on His agenda using the talents I've been given in ways that are eternally significant. Calling is God's personal invitation for me to work on His agenda using the talents I've been given in ways that are eternally significant. That gets me back to the idea that it's not about me. If it's going to be bigger than me, it can't be about me. Too often we make discerning the call of God this, this complicated thing but it's really not that complex. One of the great all-time success stories is the telephone. And one of the things that, made, that makes the telephone so successful is that it's so simple to operate. You don't have to be a rocket surgeon to operate one. Just think about that. you The same is true of God's call in our life. God doesn't try to hide his plan. King David wrote in Psalm 16, You have made known to me the path of life. Paul wrote to the Romans that if they would not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but, but they would, if they would renew their mind and be transformed by the renewing of their mind, then they would be able to know exactly what God's will for them was. You see, God's call on us is accessible and knowable. It's not complicated. The problem is sometimes because of the static and and interference that our culture creates, and in fact sometimes churches create, we have a bad connection. And I can just imagine God walking across heaven looking for four bars and, you know, can you hear me now? You know, he's, he's spoken to us. And his call is clear. When you read through the scriptures, you find that, that beyond this primary call to discipleship, where God calls us to be in relationship with, us, uh, with him, In order to accomplish his purposes in the world, 
God secondarily calls us to specific roles or tasks by a combination of three things. Uh, life circumstances slash experiences, gifts, abilities, and passion. Um, you could say he calls us providentially, charismatically, and passionately. He calls us providentially um, in that God has placed us uh, in certain circumstances and environments in our life. The families that we're raised in, the neighborhoods we grow up in, the circumstances and relationships that develop throughout our lives. Our lives are not a bundle of accidents and coincidences. God is sovereign. It was not an accident or a coincidence that Joseph grew up in Jacob's family or that his brothers hated him or that he was sold to Midianite merchants or that he wound up in Potiphar's house only to be falsely accused and thrown into prison. It was not a coincidence or an accident that Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker just happened to be incarcerated at the same time so that later Joseph would be able to interpret the dream of Pharaoh and thus be elevated to prime minister. It was not an accident or a coincidence that Pharaoh's daughter rescued Moses out of the bulrushes and raised him in the royal household. It was not an accident or a coincidence that Zacchaeus was a diminutive tax collector or that that Paul was this erudite Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin who got knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus. Friends, none of those things were accidental or coincidental. God orchestrated the events of all of those people so that they would be the right people in the right place at the right time with the right gift mix, with the right pedigree, with the right credentials so that they could accomplish his purpose in their generation. And friends, the same thing is true for us. That's not reserved for the pages of the scripture. That's how God does things. Many of you have, have heard the story of, of Deanne and me coming to New York City, and I'm not going to go into all the detail, but the, the snapshot is that um, we were living in Texas. My father was a physician. He came to New York City for a medical conference. He invited Dee and me to join him. We did. We experienced the city for four days. After four days, we left feeling like God was calling us to New York. Ten months later, I read a book by Gordon McDonald, who was pastoring this church. Uh, it, it resonated with me. I wrote him a letter. A few weeks later, he called me. He said they were looking for an associate pastor, asked me if I was interested. The next weekend, they hired me, and I've been here for 24 years. That's none of that was accidental or coincidental. Friends, that's how God works in our lives. That is the providential call of God. But it's not just providential. You see, he also works through our 
through who he's created us to be. How, the gift mix that he, he gives us. You, you could say that God calls us charismatically. The Greek word for um, charisma means gifts and, and abilities that are given by God. And he's not just talking about, it doesn't just talk about uh, spiritual gifts, but it's natural abilities as well. Uh, because everything that we are has been gifted to us by God. Whether it's spiritual or natural. Anybody here play wide receiver for the Jets? No. You know why? Because you can't. God did not gift you that way. Um, but there... I'm amazed at the athletic ability of some people and at the, the cooking ability of some. You know, all these different areas of, of life where people just do stuff where I go, man, how do you do that? Yeah, you can make your gift better, but at the end of the day, God, God started you out there. There's a, a great text in... Um, Exodus 31, that talks about the building of the tabernacle. And it says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with, with skill, ability, and knowledge, and all kinds of crafts. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut and set stones. To work in wood and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Did you notice God filled Bezalel with the Spirit and with skill, ability, and knowledge and all kinds of crafts? Those are not spiritual gifts. Those are natural gifts, but they're still gifts. Why? So that Bezalel could use them for God's purpose, namely in the construction of the tabernacle. God goes on and says in verse 6, also I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. This is human skill divinely enabled. Question, do you think Bezalel got up every morning and thought, oh man, I got to go to work today? No. He got to work from the blueprints of God Utilizing the gifting that God had given him, I think Bezalel got up every morning going, thank God it's Monday. Because he was, he was utilizing the gifts of how God had wired him. You say, well, sure, he was working on the tabernacle. Yes, he was. But what's more precious to God than the tabernacle? People. Jesus didn't die for the tabernacle. Jesus bled and died for you. And for your co-workers and your neighbors and your family members. Friends, we are called to be ourselves and to use our God-given gifts in the unparalleled privilege of building God's kingdom in the lives of those around us. We are called to be disciples. 
followers of Jesus in relationship who are making disciples, calling others to be in relationship with God. Why? Because that's where life is lived in its fullest. So in calling us to specific roles to serve his purposes in the world, God calls us providentially. He calls us charismatically. And thirdly, he calls us passionately. Passion is a loaded word in our culture because it connotes sexuality, uh, unbridled uh, inhibitions, uh, danger, all this stuff. Well, that's not how we need to see it in the context of calling. The psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The passions of your heart. See, when we respond to the call of Jesus and begin following him, as we draw near to God, God infuses passion and he works through human desires. When related to calling, passion refers to this kind of freedom that is life-affirming and positive. If you live without passion, you are living an apathetic life. Yes? It's settling for the 1% that we talked about last week. But when you follow Jesus and you delight yourself in Him, you become anything but apathetic. Um, Erwin McManus talks about passion in his book Seizing Your Divine Moment and he says the more you love God that's the primary calling the being in relationship with the who the more you love God the more deeply you care about life and the more deeply you care about life the more deeply you care about people the more deeply you are committed to making a difference in people's lives here's the liberating reality when you are passionate about God you can trust your passions God uses our passions as a compass to guide us Friends, you can just read through the scriptures and you can find passionate people all over the place. And they were passionate about different things. But here's the one thing they all had in common. Their passion was fueled by their passion for God. If you live to know God, then you will know how God wants you to live. Okay, I want you to get back in your groups, okay? Get back in your little small conversation groups because I, I have a little deeper question for you. Um, recognizing that God blends, when he calls us to something, he doesn't forget who we are. He knows how he's wired us. He knows the experiences. He knows what, you know, causes our heart to light up. He knows all that. So given your uniqueness, here's the question that I want you to talk with each other about. And you're going to have about four minutes to do this. Given your experiences, gifting both spiritual and natural, and passions. 
What is one thing that you feel God might be calling you to do in order to make a difference in the world? What is one thing... You want to live life to the full? You want your life to matter? So what is one thing, given all that we've talked about, that you feel God might be calling you to in order to make a difference in the world? you got four minutes. How was that? Did you learn some things about each other? Were there some pretty cool things that you heard? Yeah? Did you learn some things about yourself? You know, one of the reasons why we're doing this, or the chief reason we're doing this, is because we want you to not just sit and consume, but we want you to start wrestling even before you leave this room with what we're talking about. So that's why we're doing it. Let me, um, are you with me? So let me tie a bow on this. We are all called by God, first and foremost, to be his disciple, to be in relationship with him. And you can look on the caller ID, and you can know it's him, but you got to decide whether you're going to pick up or not. Because first and foremost, he's not calling you to something. He's not calling you to a what. He's calling you to himself. And the call to himself is, come follow me. No matter where you are in your journey, come follow me. And if you'll leave everything and come follow me, I guarantee you it'll be worth your while. That's the call. And then he follows that up with, once you follow him in relationship then he starts saying here's some things that I've wired you for so that you can make a difference in the world you want to live a full life well then live one that's bigger than yourself you want to live and experience the abundant life well then recognize that it's not about you because when we give ourselves away in all of our passions, in all of our gifts, in all of our experiences, when we give all that away to, to help others, um, friends, it just doesn't get better than that. That's all good. Let me end with these words from Oz Guinness. Do you want to accept a challenge that will be the integrating dynamic of your whole life? One that will engage your loftiest thoughts, your most dedicated exertions, your deepest emotions, all your abilities and resources to the last step you take and the last breath you breathe. Listen to Jesus of Nazareth. Answer his call. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm so grateful that you call us all right where we are. I'm grateful that no matter where we are in our journey with you, uh, the call is still the same. To enter into a relationship. And to allow that relationship then to be the driving force of our lives. 
Lord, I pray for um, I pray for those of us who have been uh, in this relationship with you for a while. I pray, Lord, that that this would be invigorating and challenging and and break us out of the apathy and and inspire us anew to live beyond ourselves. And Lord, I pray for any in the room this morning that that may yet be, um, maybe they haven't decided to follow yet. I pray that today would be the day when they say, you know what, I want something that's going to challenge me and shake me and grow me and exhilarate me to the last breath I breathe. I want that. Lord, I pray that today they would say yes to your invitation to follow you. That they would begin that journey today. Lord, we we're just grateful that you were not apathetic about us. We're grateful that you were passionate about us, so passionate that you gave your life that we might live. And so we celebrate that this morning as we come to the table for your namesake. Amen.